Today's scripture is from 1 Corinthians 1, 30 through 31. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. The word of the Lord. Uh, good morning, Penny Dory. Uh, sorry, this is all still very hilarious to me that I'm a pastor. <laughs> I just crack up every single time I walk up here. Uh, uh, it's funny, I was looking at uh, some old, um, old thoughts I had written down about becoming a pastor here. It was only like two, three years ago. Uh, actually, was with the first candidacy where they said no, <laughs> uh, but that I had written down that I they were asking why I think this is the right time for candidacy, and I was saying how I just knew that uh, uh, I just knew that this church would be very gentle towards me <laughs> in learning how to do it, uh, and so thank you because you have been very gentle and I appreciate it. Uh, well, with that said, uh, my name is Morgan, uh, and I'm, I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, two weeks ago, two weeks ago was Ascension Sunday, um, which is when the crucified and resurrected Christ returned to the Father, uh, and last week was Pentecost Sunday, which was the unleashing of the Holy Spirit of Christ onto the entire world, the grace through faith of Abraham being proclaimed to all the nations for anyone who would have this Christ by faith. So with Pentecost, the Holy Spirit descended on the first disciples and filled them with Christ's one gospel, a gospel for every people, for every tribe, Christ for anyone who would have him. Anyone who would believe in him, through the Apostle Peter, in a crowd of very divided humanity, Christ spoke. And Christ is still speaking. At Pentecost, the gospel of Christ was gifted to the early church through divine revelation given to the apostles and through the language between themselves, meaning the Christians, the language of faith, of hope, and love. Christ's language, which is our language, through his indwelling Holy Spirit. By his indwelling Holy Spirit, divided people become one people in the new humanity of Christ. And so now, from Monday after Pentecost till the last Saturday before Advent, we return to the largest portion of the Christian calendar, which appropriately is called Ordinary Time. In ordinary time, celebration is short and far between. Just get back to work, (laughs) because ordinary is where our real lives are being played out. I would say the word ordinary feels diminishing a little bit to me. Uh, Maybe that's universal, or it's just me. I have to say that ordinary is a bit of a struggle for me. I feel like I either chase ordinary and despise despise it when it's interrupted or I feel like an intense anger at the ordinary uh, when I look at myself I see such a restlessness inside 
and I know I despise routine. I mean, at the end of the day, I just want to rock and roll. I just want to party every day. Um, but it's a false reality. And for all my fighting, the Christian life uh, has been and is a slow burn, a slow refining burn in the ordinary. <clears throat> so, ordinary is good, I guess. <laughs> ordinary is humble. Ordinary is quiet. The Apostle Paul tells us, aspire to live quietly, which I take to mean that routine is life. The ordinary routine is the place where Christ insists on being with us in our waking, in our sleeping, in our working, in our resting. So, in the spirit of finding peace with the ordinary, with a God who is everything extraordinary, yet extraordinarily hidden, hidden in faith, we will look to the ordinary that defines all of us, the ordinary that has every saint by the hand. So what is ordinary, our ordinary, as disciples of Christ? As one people, what is common between us? What binds us together? So let's think through some of our ordinary routines as disciples of Christ. Though, well, with this ordinary time, today is Most Holy Trinity Sunday, which seems ironic, but it is most appropriate because God, God is most ordinary. Before all there is, there's just him, and he's simply I am. So before we consider the ordinary ways that God saves us, let's consider God himself. God is. God is Trinity. And Trinity is God. Without the Trinity, there is no God. The Trinity is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Trinity is Christianity. Hear from the Creed. We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the only begotten, begotten of the Father before all ages, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, of one essence with the Father, by whom all things were made. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. The Father is not the Father without the Son and the Spirit. The Son is not the Son without the Father and the Spirit. The Spirit is not the Spirit without the Father and the Son. The Trinity is one God, the only God, of one divine essence. Essence, essence meaning the Godness of God, his eternal existence. One essence with distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. An eternal, invisible community of three divine persons, coessential and equal, existing in timeless unity and love, joy and pleasure, here are everlasting. The mutual indwelling of this divine community is so sublime that Father, Son, and Spirit can give themselves to each other recklessly. It is a community of worship and adoration that has no beginning and has no end. The fire of this divine community burns too hot for the creature, 
Yet in God we live and move and have our being. For with God is the fountain of life. In God's light we shall see light. God is timeless. God is truth. God is love. So, with this, with this triune God, with this divine life, we will continue looking at ordinary salvation moments. But I invite you all to, as you think of every salvation moment, it is a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit moment, inseparable from Christ, our God-man. So in Christ, the Trinity fills all in all a community of tireless love on our behalf, a community given to us in Christ. So here we will see God's saving creativity will never, ever grow dry, but will flow forever into the new heavens and the new earth, into deeper knowledge and worship and participation with the divine life. So, our first ordinary, ordinary of our salvation, and that is the gospel. The gospel of saving power. From triune love, Christ speaks peace and sends his presence to dwell within our souls. It is in this filling of our souls that Christ is so committed to condescending to our weaknesses, so committing to meeting us where we are at. His gospel can be reached and can be communicated in ways that completely ignore the thought that faith belongs to the intellect. The dead hear him and rise. Infants know him and rejoice. Children love him and trust him. The whole mystery of Christ can be open to the least of these. So neither it is he who plants or he who waters who is anything, but only God who gives the growth. His saving presence follows us and saves us. The gospel is both message and presence, the word of Christ and the person of Christ going and saving as he sees fit. In many ways, the gospel is anything true of Christ, and so bits and pieces of knowledge open up for us the whole Christ, because every fragment comes from Christ himself. It is he speaking. It is him creating So the gospel is not simply about body of knowledge, but a saving, creating power proceeding from the living and speaking Christ. This saving power of God is what has created all of you. (laughs) This power is what makes us Christian. The saving power of God speaks over us now. This power keeps us Christian. So, from this living and speaking Christ, grace upon grace. So our next ordinary, the ordinary that binds us all together, is grace through faith. First, what is grace? Grace is lots of things. The word grace is used to describe just um, many things in scriptures, in scripture. But what it is first and foremost is God as your Savior. It is God's love and mercy in action towards the sinner. God, grace, is the movement of God, drawing near to us, his heart of love for us. It is his love and in love 
It is his spirit, the spirit of grace. It is the presence of Christ through his Holy Spirit, resurrecting our souls, pulling us out of the grave into a restored relationship of God and humanity. Grace consumes. Grace fills. Scripture also speaks of grace in ways like as good stewards of God's very grace. Or even in Paul in 2 Corinthians, he speaks of wanting the return to the church to give them grace, that he, and he would receive grace from them. So how varied is grace? Is grace love? Is grace energy? Is grace a thing? Is grace an ability or a gift? I love this, the line from John Calvin. Grace, grace is Christ clothed in gospel. And in this, all is grace. And grace is Jesus Christ. Grace is God for us in Christ. Christ is the invisible, the visible image of the invisible God. Everything that he is for us as God and man is grace upon grace. In his hands, favor and energy, love and obedience, he skillfully uses. But before all else, grace is Jesus Christ, the divine with us, for us, and in us. So, what is faith? Faith is that same ancient faith of Abraham. We believe because Christ's presence inhabits the innermost place of our own human spirit, our own human soul. Faith is presence, presence beyond nature, presence that draws near, presence that makes itself known through faith and for faith. Before anything else, faith is spirit. Faith begins with the resurrection of the soul by the spirit of Christ, resurrecting spirit that brings resurrection to the soul. And there is nothing that can fill the soul the way God does. Faith is forgiveness. Grace through faith is so ordinary for all of us, but so supernatural. It is how the individual is connected to the whole Christ. The nature of grace through faith is that at any given given moment with oneself, it is so saturated with Christ that no longer my moment, but Christ who lives within me. Christian, this is your ordinary. This is your center. The next ordinary I'd like to bring up is the promises of God. From this living and speaking Christ, everything that Christ says to us is said to us in the framework of promise. There is this fundamental union between the saving power of the gospel, grace through faith, and the promises of God. It is so basic, so ordinary, that it continually shapes and forms us from within our relationship with Christ. And it is in these promises that everything that we experience and know as Christians is put within a process and a time frame. Process and time frame. In other words, the promises of God force us to admit admit where we are at in the story of redemption. Not above the story, but in it with no escape. 
in the story and believing that Christ will do what he said he will do. The gospel says that if you believe on Christ, he promises to walk with you in life and in death into eternal life. Grace through faith promises that all of Christ is ours, yet we have only experienced the beginning of Christ's victory. The promises of God really, really start to force us to admit that we are really waiting on a lot at the moment. Christ has set a really high bar, and yet we trust. The faith that we possess is fundamentally hope in the unseen. Awareness of Jesus Christ, convinced or maybe not convinced, but really having nowhere else to go. We have nothing but hope. Nothing but hope that God did what he said he did in the life and death of Jesus Christ. And these promises, they kind of temper everything and give, give us instruction on how to receive In the promises of God, there are lessons in how to receive the life of faith with honest expectations. Because honestly, God can feel quite frustrating from time to time. God is a God who promises and then behaves and relates to us as if all those promises are so much truer than our current reality. Not because of anything that we've done or will do, but simply because of Christ who has pulled us into himself and has made us his own. So we wait. We wait. We wait with open hands and a hoping heart and a very embarrassing sense of need. This is not new. This is the type of faith that has belonged to every child of God, from Abraham right down to you and me. So, we proceed on to, to, on to, into today's scripture. With today's verse, we will simply look at these various titles given to Christ, Jesus, and rethink a little bit through some of what I've already said in regard to the ordinary routines of life in Christ. The saving power of the gospel, grace through faith, and the promises of God. And with that, we will try and let all our Christian thoughts be Trinitarian thoughts. In these names of Christ, let God's interest and God's love, God's action and energy for you, let all of them have triune expression. Through the person and work of Jesus Christ, God is for you, offering an endless supply of love and grace to each and every beloved creature. So let us connect all that is being given and all that is being promised to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Each member of the Trinity has so many unique comforts and glories to offer to the souls of the saints. So, 1 Corinthians 30, 1, 30, and 31. And because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, 
so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. This is my favorite verse in the Bible. This verse is one of the most sublime in all of Scripture. What a glorious union with Christ we are shown here. A type of union that could save even a sinner like me. What a complete and precious Savior we have here. To return to the question, what is grace? What are the best, one of the best answers to that, that question is this verse, Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. And so we can see again why everything is grace. The exterior and the interior, the past, the present, the future, all are defined by our Savior. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus. Because of him, meaning God the Father, with eternal fatherly love, God has given you to Christ. To have Christ is to have the Father. To have the Father is to have Christ. Following this eternal beginning in love, we are given four titles of Christ for us. Wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. So, with these titles... I would like to ask questions that are born out of experience. Meaning, when you begin to experience Christ in these ways, what are the feelings and the thoughts and the experiences that you are currently having that would provoke a question? Questions that connect to what we currently have and what has also been promised. With each of these titles, we can interact again with the ordinary ways of this Christian life with God's gospel, with God's grace, with God's promises. We can go to each of these, wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, redemption, and hold them as Christ himself. And then hold each of these in relation to the gospel, grace, and promise. It is through this sort of... It works in my mind... Just a, it's a routine over and over again of reminders, reminders, reminders of what is happening to you and who Christ is. And you become a little more aware of the process and time frame of your faith. It begins to settle in your minds. We begin to have peace with the measure of faith that has been appointed to us. It is in this and through this we are being saved. We are being conformed to Christ. There is a story being told here that with a beginning, a middle, and an end. So, Christ, our wisdom from God. The question I would ask from experience is, how do I know? The reason is the saving, creating power proceeding from the living and speaking Christ. Christ, our wisdom, is his Holy Spirit with us. To have the Spirit is to have Christ. You know because you have been known. This is the gift of faith, a gift in Christ. Colossians 2.3 reads, In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, whom being Christ. 
This true spiritual knowledge of Christ comes by way of grace through faith. And wisdom matures, and knowledge grows. Knowledge being the knowledge of relationship. Knowledge being your history that begins to develop with Christ. The record of his faithfulness to you. The extent by which you feel his great mercy. Wisdom and knowledge truly, truly have no end. But what is offered here is not simply understanding or knowing about God, but eternal relationship knowing God himself. Christ, our righteousness from God. The questions born from experience in places like this are, who am I? Why am I alive? Why am I forgiven? This is a place where, when you think back to the story of Lazarus walking out of the tomb, he is walking out and the light is blinding him and he's asking, who am I? Why am I alive? Why am I forgiven? And in passing through the sunlight of that tomb, he sees Christ standing before him. Christ is the reason why. With all of these, our identity is now Christ. Christ, our righteousness, is the very history of Christ. His life and his death being the answer to, who am I? Why am I alive? Why am I forgiven? By his one obedience, many will be made righteous. This is being in Christ, being formed and forged and matured and grown up in this person of God who is yours. By his one obedience, that is his righteousness, the many will be made righteous, and that is our sanctification. So Christ, our sanctification from God. The question born from experience is, why am I being transformed? Is it my obedience? Is it my spiritual disciplines? Is it my self-care? No. You are being transformed because you are alive in Christ. Christ is your perfection, and now you are being perfected. It says, present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. A slave to righteousness is a slave to who God says you are. And you, church, are Christians. With the love of the Father and the life of the Son, with this Holy Spirit dwelling within you, the Spirit sanctifies you by faith, hope, and love because he promises to do that Finally, Christ, our redemption from God. Christ is God for you, and he is man for you. And he is your new humanity. You really see in the word redemption where its time frame and process become very, very real because we are at the beginning. (laughs) We are just getting started. Eternity is ahead of us with him. And the redemption of this age is ordered to suffering. But the question of the future will be, why am I being resurrected? And you are being resurrected but because Christ has promised his flesh as your flesh and his blood as your blood. 
his redeemed humanity will one day sweep us out of the grave and sweep us up into glory. So, in all that you do, do it as his children. Speak after him, him who leads us with love. The order of love is that we love because we have first been loved. We follow and live out of his saving life, being made to participate, so we participate. So set your mind on learning the ways of Christ, the ways he thinks, the ways he loves. Turn yourself into God's love. Being saved is being sent being sent not to glory first, but to cross, then to glory. Sent to the ordinary. Sent to the routine. Sent to suffer. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. The suffering is his presence, and he, by his presence he brings cross to us. A cross for all moments, a cross for all activity, the cross for all our sacrifice. To participate is to be what you are. That is, being Christian. And the more and more you participate, I'm sorry, the more you become, the more you, you, the more you participate. That is just the way with God. Being and doing cannot be separated. To be with God is to be doing with God. And to be doing with God is to being with God. Because he gives what he commands, and he rewards what he gives. The constant call to the church is to be who you are called. You are called wise. Therefore, think with the mind of Christ. You are called holy. Therefore, love with his love. You are called righteous. Therefore, surrender to his judgments. In your life, let him invade all your thoughts. In your work, let him shape what you give to others. In your family, let him lead you into more love. Let Christ be what your heart desires. You don't have to love the plan. But please, love the Christ. Christ has known all of these pains. So Christians, live in the love of God fill up to be poured out and repeat bring all your ordinary pain and suffering let his presence lead you and shape you God is asking you to be content with with, uh, with whatever is in your hand because peace in circumstance has nothing to do with circumstance peace is Christ so open your hand and receive all that comes your way from your savior performance has nothing to do with the magnificent love that is yours in Christ Jesus. A God of love who has planned for whatever we would throw his way. He is both not surprised and very much a part of our story. The full love of the Trinity for you, taken up by the incarnation of Christ, released by the cross of Christ, engulfing all of you through his Holy Spirit. By faith alone, the person of Christ comes to us and speaks love and forgiveness 
and he has no other path for us, so we have no other path to him. So children of God, be free from your works and belong to Christ. So children of God, brothers and sisters with hearts set aflame, by faith you have Jesus Christ. He is yours. And the good news for you today is that God has you. He knows you. He loves you more than you can comprehend. He has chosen his place with us, and he will not leave us. You are his, and your ordinary faith is extraordinary. The Father is proud. The Son is closer than a friend. The Spirit is within you. Your deepest foundation and hope is a never-ceasing love within the fellowship of the Trinity, who holds us, his church, as Christ himself. So get lost in this love, his eternal interest in your soul from a God who offers you all things. Let your lives become a witness and reflection to this eternal love that we have received in Christ. Let us pray. Father, Thank you for your children. Thank you for your church. Just be with your children, God. Send your spirit. Let them walk away today a little more aware of who you are, Jesus, of your love for them, of your life for them, of your beauty for them. Free us, Jesus, and let us love you. In your precious name, amen.